Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Gerstmann. Uh, you're listening to the Giant Bomb Interview Dump Truck up here in the studio. Uh, we're joined by uh, Mythics Paul Barnett. How you doing, sir? I'm doing really well. The Good dump, to... The Dump Truck. Nice. The Dump Truck. Welcome to the Dump Truck. I like that. How's it feel? Is that... Well, it's more how it smells. It, it's, it's, it smells great. It smells of victory. Yeah, exactly. It, it smells of the, the, this the is new generation. The greats of gaming have been represented. <laughs> oh, is that it? Can I keep this? Hideo chair? Kojima, not not two weeks ago, not two graced weeks. the dump truck. So, if it smells like espionage, that's why. That's what it is. Yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. So uh, you're in town, you know, bopping all around as part of your roles, uh, role as a general manager of Mythic. Yeah, that means I don't actually do anything to do with gaming anymore. I am. Um, I only have three functions now. Yeah. I'm the uh, the advocate of my studio. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically a PR guy. Um, I get the um. To vote for my studio at the Vatican City um, with the headquarters of EA, yeah. where, where the, the EA Pope lives. And then the third one is my job is to get the money. And so they put me on a plane and they go, come back with the money, Paul. So there's, there's teams working on video games. You take the prototypes off to the people that control the purse strings and go, you need to give us the money to make this a full thing. Yeah, and I voodoo fingers yeah. and fast movement. That's, that's pretty much what I do. And then the rest of it has been... Um, uh, talking to people. I spend most of my time now talking to young people mm-hmm. joining EA who all want my job. So Great. Yeah. <laughs> here's how to get my job. Kill well, me. That's the thing. That's, uh, you know, corporations will say, if you're not actively training your replacement, you're doing the company a disservice. Yeah, but that's only so they can, like, stab me in the throat, yeah. well, yeah, exactly, and drag me out. Yeah. But as part of that, I mean, you're, you're not only talking to the young people uh, that are coming into EA, you're out there giving talks. Uh, at schools, at uh, uh, oh, Smithsonian, yeah. you're you're out there. Yeah, I I, I do a lot of um, talking up at the the East Coast universities, mm-hmm. uh, where very very privileged children are having a lot of money spent on them to hopefully get my job. And uh, they so that's bring, just, they're just one step removed from the EA people. Yeah, are, oh, well, it, yeah, okay. And it's where she talks, and then they turn up and they go, "I listened to your talk, and now I'm here, and I'm going to kill you." Uh, and it's very very strange because my background is um, poverty. Uh, sure. N- not finishing school, thrown out at 15. Uh-huh. You know, dyslexic, colorblind, the violin's playing the hard way. Yeah. And then there I go to, you know, these very, very posh universities. And they just want to know, how do I do it? How do I do it? Oh, then sometimes they don't even want to know that. Sometimes okay. they just lay back and go, it's another person we have to listen to. Okay. And, yeah. and the way the industry does it is there's usually selection days of talks. So mm-hmm. when I turn up, like the people before me have been like Apple have come to talk or Microsoft or ubisoft or activision zynga and there's different people come the other day and so i'm sort of slotted in as one of the talks yeah um and uh, i think ea used me for the i don't know because i'm the only one willing to travel to the east coast and because i mean you're already practically there i'm practically there yeah. and and then you know i'm not afraid to talk yeah like one of the superpowers i have right uh yeah so and i i give two talks my, my first one i give is why EA is the last place on earth you should ever want to work. All right, if we're going to get into that, you should talk a little bit closer into the microphone. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a good talk. I remember the first time I gave that, the, um, I have a handler, someone mm-hmm. who actually belongs to EA University Relations, and they had no idea what I was going to talk about. And uh, Clint Hockling, he was, giving yeah. a, he was giving a talk before me, and he, he's very intimidating because he's massively intellectual, and he has yeah. these amazing slides, and he talks about things that I don't understand agency i don't really understand agency i understand pressing buttons mm-hmm. but, but agency confuses me uh, and he was going to go first but then his powerpoint broke <laughs> and it turned out that he couldn't give his talk without his powerpoint huh 
So they, they threw me at it and, and they said, Paul, fill, fill the time, you know, the, sort of, <laughs> the support band. And so I had to go out there and give a talk. So, and then I started with, you know, EA is the last place a game maker should ever want to work. And you could see the eyes widening on my handler as they were going, where's he going? Um, but I was actually trying to make a relevant point. I was pointing out that, you know, computer games industry is not a place to go if you want to earn money. And not, sure. not a place to go if you expect your work never to be picked over. And it's not a place to go, you know, if you, if you can't take criticism mm-hmm. uh, or working, you know, long hours. And you really got to have a passion and a drive for gaming. And so I tell everyone how they can work in different places. You, see, you know, if you never want your code to ever be discovered as terrible, then you go and do moon tech. Right. Because, because by the time they've launched and landed whatever you wrote, you've retired. No, you know, like no one remembers that code, so you're you're safe forever. And, and if all you want to do is make money, then you know you got a weapon tech, mm-hmm. and then you have a job where if anyone asks you what you do, you, you do human resource management. You sort of manage human resources yeah. via missiles. Um, and then you know, you can go work for Apple as long as you're thin. Um, I figured that out. And then you could work on phones, I guess. Um, and your mum will like you, like they understand what Apple is. Or you could go yeah. to Microsoft and then you could wear a suit and a tie. And that you'll have shares, and that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to Zynga, although probably that bubble's burst. They probably don't go to Zynga anymore. So yeah. I sort of talk about all the different ways you can take the easy route. Mm-hmm. And then I end with, uh, uh, and if that still hasn't dissuaded you, then there's always places like EA. <laughs> can come and make games here. Yeah. Um, and it works like a filtering system. If by the end of that, I haven't managed to hive you off with all the cheap answers you were looking for right then you probably do care about games you probably should make it mm-hmm. so that's the one i do and the other one i do is the um golden edge of gaming uh, yeah now i've heard you talk about this you've this has been a talk you've been giving for for quite some time oh yeah forever um yeah yeah a very long time i actually gave it at the smithsonian for the um art of computer games it was mm-hmm. a big big talk there and um there's a, a ted talk i did a tedx talk i did on it and it's all over the place but it's it's neat and irrelevant and i use it at my studio a lot and it's this whole idea it came from music yeah uh i, I when you look at me well we listen to music music's really interesting it sort of ingrains itself into your brain and you sort of really get into it and you sort of build up this stock of music that really sort of hooks into you and then years later you can hear a particular beat or lyric or sometimes you see the album cover or or a clip from a music video and then your brain's so strong and powerful right it'll flip back and it'll remember it and the sight sound smells and everything sort of come back you sort of remember the lyrics despite yourself even songs you don't like yeah i I have a lot of games that i associate directly with specific music absolutely because we listen to music we're playing it so so in music they talk about it being like the the music track the soundtrack of your life Mm -hmm. and then what i what i decided was that games for me had had the same effect that the game track of my life yeah that i'd ended up going well that's interesting and so then i started thinking about it and ended up going well you know i've got a golden age of gaming and uh for me it's the from empire strikes back through to the movie say anything cusack holding up the yeah yeah the big um whatever it was Boombox. Boombox, yeah. Yeah. And sort of in that period, I played absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And I adored it, and I lived it, and I breathed it, and I I knew all the developers, and I knew all the release dates, and I couldn't have been more excited, and hardware was really important, and just everything was really, really important. Right. And that was basically the hopper that I filled with all the experiences of gaming, which uh, fueled me to this day. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I discovered was, as I got older, 
is that my golden age was driven not just from the time period, but also accessibility. Right. So uh, although uh, the NES and the Super NES were, were in my period, mm-hmm. they just never got to England. Right, yeah. Because they were $8 million. Yeah. And they were as big as the uh, house in England. You could have lived in one uh, <laughs> if you tried to get in there. And the cartridges cost $8 million. Right. And no one in England can blow. Like that, we would have yeah, been lost. Just, yeah. And so, so they would have just when, died. When, when the cartridges get dirty, it's just, you're just, you right. died. So there's an entire strata of gaming I just don't have. I don't understand the appeal of a plumber. A small, short Italian plumber who doesn't actually fix anything and he's constantly chasing women. That's that is, I think that's most plumbers. Yeah. Oh, and steals money, collects money. Okay. All well, the time. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so my golden age doesn't have that. On the other hand, it does have the Spectrum 48K computer, which no one's ever heard of. Yeah. And all those games, I think, are genius. No one's ever played. Uh, it's also where I learned the things I dislike. I dislike flight simulators. Mm-hmm. Not because flight simulators were terrible, but I never played one that was any good. So, in the, that era, the hell yeah. with flight simulators. Yeah. And what that did is it lent me to this idea where I was like, well, my golden age is where I fell in love with my first shooter, my first RPG game, platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where I, le- I heard the first sound uh, tracks in computer games I really liked. Yeah. Artwork that I saw, loading screens, because they had those back then, mm-hmm. controller methods. Uh, all these things got ingrained into where I was. And as I got older and I decided I wanted to make games rather than play games, I found that I was mining from that golden age. Right. And that's where I was drawn to the games I either wanted to remake or the games I was inspired by. And then I turned into a grumpy person. Yeah. Uh, as we all do. Because I met people who had a different <laughs> golden age from me. Right. And they're just wrong. Yeah. I mean, they're just wrong. I don't know how to explain it. but With, with me, it's that I meet people that really think golden eye is somehow the center of their very being. <laughs> and I say, you know, I reviewed GoldenEye. It was really good, but come on. No, that, that's exactly it. And, and you can march it on a couple of things. What's your Final Fantasy? Uh, it is two or two, uh, four, I guess. Say, well, Japanese four. Two, Japanese four. Uh, but then you have a lot of people around for seven. And they go, those kids are crazy. But then there's some people who, for, it doesn't matter. The, it's the first one they got was 12. Right. Yeah. And so 12 just happens to be theirs. And even yeah. though you go, oh, unlucky, to them it's really important. <laughs> you know, they, they think it really matters. And so this whole idea of this golden age then led me to realize that mine's so precious to me that I may have forgotten that everyone else's is super precious to them. Right. And then when I was making games early on, I needed money. Mm-hmm. And I needed to convince people to give me money. And I had to learn that the only way of getting them to give me money was to talk about games from their golden age because right. they didn't care about mine. So if I was there going, oh, I really want to remake Lords of Midnight, Lords of Midnight's just going to be the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. And they had never heard of it. So I would have to go, you know, like Zelda. And they go, right. I love Zelda. <laughs> Zelda's the way to go. No, that's what I want to make. It's yeah. just like Zelda. Give me the money. Right. Uh, so that was really important. And then I found that it was really good for uh, just getting um, conversations going with gamers. Mm-hmm. And you can literally just say to them, well, my golden age is here. This is my favorite piece of hardware. Like, what's your favorite piece of hardware? You know, it's pr- it's probably the Genesis. The Gen- I love the Genesis. Mega yeah, Drive. The Mega Drive, yeah. yeah. 25 years old now. Just turned. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. And it's, yeah. it's sort of black. It's got that great on-off button. Yeah. And it's, and it's like an Amiga. 
It's sort of like an Amiga. It was, it was like where all the Amiga developers went when it came time for them to make console games. It seemed like they ended up on the Mega Drive. So you have like Shadow of the Beast and a lot of that, that stuff. And I have a soft spot for the, the EA cartridges. With yeah, the, with the, the big, the, tall ones tall with the little ones notch. The little notch in yeah. them, yeah. And, and then now all the young people are going, I don't know, they're old people talking about nonsense. See, we just did a live stream show in Genesis games a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> Well, we're probably classic. Well, that was the other thing I discovered. Um, when I started getting into this theory of Golden Age... I went off and looked at games outside of my golden age, and I went I went back in time. Mm-hmm. I found the games that were considered classics when I was too young to play them. And I thought, well, if they're considered classics in these people's golden age, then they must be really good. And what I discovered was playing a game outside of your golden age, yeah. you can at best intellectually appreciate. Right. But it's almost impossible to love. Like something's broken. Mm-hmm. You sort of, I, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate asteroids. I think the vector graphics are really nice. They're really tight. They're yeah. really bright. But I don't love it the way people ten years. But that's old not even is. necessarily an age gap in a lot of cases because it, it was asteroids just wasn't available overseas. Well, in yeah, a lot of cases, it, was I, it? I mean, no, it's, I, it's it's an access thing in a lot of cases. Yeah, it is an access thing. And, and kind of say like we're not too far off in age, and I played me a lot of asteroids. Oh, it could just be that. Yeah. Maybe well, maybe they didn't send them to the British. Yeah, we weren't allowed it. It was exactly too bright and the shiny. vector graphics just didn't run at fifty hertz very well. It would give us too much hope. Yeah, uh, and and then the same thing happens in the modern era, where now when I see a game, someone brings it to me and goes, "Oh, it's absolutely amazing." I'm, I'm mildly jaundiced. And, mm-hmm. and I have to wait until I find one. And then when I find one that's new or interesting, that I get really gripped by it or I find it's really interesting. Particularly now with this sort of putting things together in different ways or the rediscovery of 2D and, right. and the rediscovery of, of like limited input games. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of going back in time. Yeah. And now we're seeing old games being reimagined again. Mm-hmm. And then I have to be sated with the idea that that's not the real choplifter. You understand that. But, well, I mean, if you're talking about that new choplifter that came out, new it's just a bad game. It's just a bad. No one's playing that and going like, "This is a part of my golden age." Like that new choplifter is just a bad game. Just a bad game. Yeah, and and then you know, coming to the conclusion, we're never going to see another Road Rash. It's, it's, EA states we're never going to see it's another never Road Rash. Going to happen. It's the That's one, on you to make it though. Well, do you know, it's one of the go num- get the money. This it's, it's one of the number one games that gets brought up at EA and shot down. Like, one of the things they always say to, to young people who turn up is, now I'm telling you, kid, yeah. don't say you want to make a don't road rash. Don't walk in there and you, say road no, rash. don't say road rash. Your career's over. Yeah. It, it, we'll never make a road rash game. Just get used to that. Uh, so yeah, so Get I think, in there and say you want to make a new Jordan versus Bird or something. You have a better shot at that. Well, so then I thought, so I was giving the talk, and about eight years ago, I had the talk pretty down pat, and I was pretty happy with it. And then this weird thing happened that I totally didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, um People who had never had a golden age ever suddenly got one because all of a sudden um, parents via um, Facebook and phones mm, who had right. completely missed the computer age. Yeah. They, they had bought the Atari 2600 mm-hmm. and they had funded their child's Commodore 64, uh, but they certainly had no interest in ever playing any of that nonsense. It probably rotted your brain. Yeah. There they were in their 50s or whatever, and all of a sudden for the first time ever – they were playing games, and they were playing them with a wide-eyed wonder and an amazement that was me when I was eight years old. And so right. I've had the most bizarre conversations huh. with my yeah. mother where she'll say, oh, you have to play this game. And I go, what are you talking about? Oh, you need to sit down and do it. What is it? Oh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely I've been playing. I can't stop playing it. And then she opens up Farmville. 
Right. And I go, what are you doing, mother? He goes, no, look. <laughs> have you put I, any money into this? You haven't put any money into this, have you? Did you, put, no, did well, you give them the money? You didn't give them the money. You're wasting your life. Yeah. Get out in the sun. Yeah. Get out in the sun now. So I don't want you here. And, and, and My so, mom play, has played Candy Crush. There you go. But, but she has not put any money into it. She's very <laughs> adamant. Like, no, there's not. no money has gone into this. <laughs> and so what you've got is these people having their golden age in their golden years, which is just completely wacky. Yeah. And it's the same complaint. They're playing the wrong games. Right. <laughs> it just so happens it's my, my dad. Dad, yeah. you're, you're playing the wrong games. I, I need to tell you this now. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong game. You should have been playing stuff with me when I was eight because right. those games were killer yeah. and these games weren't. So the golden age I use for, for like new employees so that they've got a point of reference and when I talk at universities so that the kids can just talk to each other and you know just find out what it is. And it's amazing how people can get really engaged in it. Yeah, and it seems like the sort of thing that would like – disarm some of the arguments about you know because if you're arguing like you know if my golden age is different from your golden age then you know we could argue about it forever no one's ever going to win that fight but if people are coming to it with this in mind it seems like they can at least step back and perhaps respect it a little bit yeah and it allows you to talk to each other as well it allows you to find out where your um, prejudices are Mm -hmm. uh, where a lot of times particularly in design artists and, and engineering you're you're being subconsciously influenced by a game that you like, that you don't realize you like, or something you dislike because it's from a sure. game you don't like. Yeah. I hate that game. And you, and so the, the Golden Age thing, I think I think it's true. It feels true. Um, actually, in the Smithsonian thing, I got into a big argument with, um, who the heck was it? Somebody. Mm. He basically said that I was totally mad and crazy and it wasn't true at all. <laughs> um, and the, the, the Golden Age, it, her argument was the Golden Age went on forever. And, and I just don't think that that's true. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, for like, I, I, you know, I had a different experience with a lot of that stuff because it's like right around the time that I was theoretically getting out of where the golden age would be, right? Right around the, the Super Nintendo was out, the Sega CD was out. I was getting into this business, so for me, it was the there was definitely like the before and after period of like I'm out there acquiring these games, buying these games, you know, just getting Commodore 64 games by any means necessary, um, you know, illegally taping them. I, we didn't have tapes. Oh over God, here, no! Man. Yeah, yeah, you fifteen forty ones, man. I had a fifteen seventy one. All so right. If we ever got one of that's a disc drive, by the way, yeah. for the people who aren't aren't like so. If you ever got one of those drives to England, not only would it have closed the national electric grid to the power, <laughs> but it would have kicked out so much heat, everyone's yeah. houses would have melted. Yeah. See, all my tapes were Atari four hundred. Oh wow! I had a, that was my first computer, and and that was a tape. Then we we got an Atari eight hundred and got the disc drive with that. So right. So and there were no more tapes after. I that. mean, over in England, we, before the internet, we used to use the analog internet. So yeah. uh, the websites were actually magazines, mm-hmm. and then forums were the letters pages. Yeah, and then communities were uh, like the the playground mm-hmm. and the news agents, and that and it was a very analog system. But um, home taping was basically how we all moved sure. our games around yeah uh, we still bought games mm-hmm. but you bought like one game a month because that's all you could afford and then you basically use that to swap out all of your tapping. friends also bought one game a yeah, month and, 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 you and as a result and... everyone coordinated sure. so with, with discs was it the same thing you could just copy yeah. discs yeah all pretty right. much were you a filthy dirty disc copier yes <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh you know it's a lot of that stuff came in in bulk i mean the commodore 64 was uh legendary for a lot of that stuff and, and that was right around the time that you could figure out ways to make phone calls for free like there was a lot of really crazy stuff you could get into uh if you wanted to but you know i, yeah, I had a handful of friends that also had commodores and you know they just uh, you'd borrow discs 
they'd run you a copy off that sort of thing and and run it would just kind of marvelous yeah it would just sort of happen and that there that that entire exchange we just had that's a great example of golden age hardware where you have this whole moment of wearing and clicking where people from the outside looking in just go, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They've gone crazy. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think the golden age is really good. I think it's really helpful. I think it really codifies the joy. I think it helps you if you're a designer, particularly if you're moving from the love affair of playing mm-hmm. to the, the love affair of making. That's probably the biggest talk. I part of the talk I give is explaining to people that loving playing games to the point where you're convinced you want to make them is akin to the Matrix pill moment. Mm-hmm. If you agree to to make a game, you literally are committing to a one-way door. Yep. And once you're through it, once you see how games are made, once you start thinking about making them, once you start actually crafting, you can never again go back to, I just play and love playing them. You're forever tainted with, I make them. So now no matter what I do when I look at a game, You'll think about it. I'm assessing it. And I guess it's the same for reviewing because you end up seeing them and having to dismantle them so much. But in a lot of cases, I was was already that way uh, before I could kind of come into it. I I had a streak on the the Genesis where I was seeking out the worst games I possibly could Uh, because the the library had really blown up and there were a lot of developers. You know, there was a lot of stuff coming into the States uh, that just didn't belong here. (laughs) <laughs> games that just should not have been translated for this territory or stuff that was coming out of Europe, like Sword of Sodan, Ooh, Sword of Sodan which was yes. bad on the Amiga. It seems like that's that's a slightly more beloved version, but the Genesis version is garbage. So yeah, I had a couple of friends, and we just loved to play the worst possible games. We would just like joke about them, and like we'd, we'd get a hold of them. Uh, there was a store that you could tra- uh, that rent games from, but also the guy would do trades. It wasn't like a chain store. It was just some – he was running a baseball card store. His name was Klaus, and it was very like – creepy man but we would go hang out with him because uh, we were 15 16 um and just trade him three genesis games for one in return because we were so done with those games and we and we just got the worst games possible and would take them home and just go like all right what's wardner all about you know what and 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 just dissect these games just what, tear that, them apart it happens a lot with people who get really into movies where they would go to video stores right they would just start renting the worst movies in the world yeah like all the big games we'd already played them all yeah. you know we, we'd already gone through all that stuff so you know when you you start just like i need more i need more i don't care what it is you know we got when the sega cd came out you know we, everyone was very into night, night trap. trap you know <laughs> like that we said it in the same yeah. time yeah yeah because i think you're chasing that hit um yeah. particularly what i remember uh very um Clearly, when I was in love with playing games, I was playing them, and it was really just a capacity job. I wanted to play as many as possible. Right. And then I started hitting games that I thought were really important. And mm. I, I thought, well, this game is really interesting, or it's made really good. And so then I started chasing to find the next really interesting game. Mm-hmm. And then I realized they were just really rare. Right. A- and, and actually, lots of games were, were tripe and terrible. And so then I then went where you went, yeah. and you just start playing the world's worst stuff just to try it out. And it's almost like you're chasing that first really great high that you had mm-hmm. when you're playing your game. Um, it happened in comics as well. I was reading comics mm-hmm. and you know, I was reading Watchmen and I was reading Dark Knight Returns and I was going, oh, this is great. We're, we're clearly, <laughs> clearly the velocity is going to continue forever. The, the, sure. Yeah. The it's comics only going to get better. It's, yes. it, they're going to be 10 times better. And then, you know, Rob Leachfield comes along and ruins everything. Sure. And, yeah, <laughs> and it's glossy covers and everything. It's an absolute disaster. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think you know, loving loving playing them was important. Getting into loving making them was important. A lot of people get heartbroken at that point as well. Like they join the industry 
they try to make games they don't make it for whatever reason right and then they're broken yeah they can't go back and play mm-hmm. uh, or, or or they mistakenly believe they should be making when they you should just stay on the other side they just stay playing like people that come in and go like this this one idea is going to transform everything i've got it here's how the next road rash is going to be <laughs> yes they, they, they pitch road rash immediately and yeah. then we find them chopped up in black bin liners right and uh, yeah so that works so they'd be the things that I, I generally talk about and they seem generally true i think golden edges are true and um, I, I love making games rather than playing them. Yeah, definitely. I see that a lot too. You know, it's uh, it's something that talking to people that, that work around here and, and people that are in in my line of work now. Now that I've been doing this for your line of work close to twenty years. Well, we're veterans, right? Yeah, I guess that's the word, right? My, my son uh, uh, was pointing out to me that um, it's all right for me to have my job because in the nineteen hundred and nineties, yes, um, there's. <laughs> There's a line to kill you. Uh-huh. And I stopped when I heard it. I was like, 1990s? No, 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 no. That applies to the the previous... Turn of the... Si- yes. This, and then I, I caught myself going, oh, God, yeah, no, it probably does. He's saying it was so much easier for you back then. And I was like, oh, you're right. You're, you're right. Because then we, we didn't have the internet. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. And we had the PlayStation 1. You had to have 60 people mm-hmm. and a huge budget and the blessing of Sony to actually get a game out into the wild. Whereas now you can just knock it together with Unity, pump it out <laughs> right, yeah. instantaneously. It's five people in a garage, yeah. and they're all millionaires. So he's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, the amount of startups there were back then, hoo-hoo. Right. Startups are easy to do. And Kickstarter, <laughs> I use that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Just the money pouring through the door. But that's, I mean, in a lot of cases, like it seems like the resurgence of the Kickstarter, like the stuff that's happening now, it feels similar to like the, the golden age days, you know, when like the people making Commodore 64 games were, they, they were not large teams. Oh no, I think it's marvelous right now. I'm yeah. really envious of uh, gaming, beginning gaming now Yeah, because you can do things now that I could never do. Right. And um, I did do it the sort of crazy bizarro way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now oddly enough, I did it in a way that you probably couldn't do today uh, because I suppose you could, if you went to, really bizarro um hardware that can barely function you might right. be able to get away with it yeah uh, but yeah there's loads of great opportunities loads of great tools and there's loads of great games and up at the emulators that's my biggest thing that i love so right now mm-hmm. it's completely possible for someone to play a game and see retro graphics and just consider it an art choice rather than actually yeah. retro and that's uh, you know like steam you, you load up the steam front page every day there's nine more games that are designed to look like eight or 16-bit nintendo games that nobody realizes that's what they're looking like there's a skewer morph they're they're sure, looking yeah. like that for no reason whatsoever right and minecraft minecraft's another really interesting one because i have this idea that um years from now mm-hmm. when my son's in his 30s sure he's going to be talking to people saying we're going to make this game and these young kids he's talking to are going, oh, here we go again <laughs> It's the mine thing. Yeah. The, the crazy. Yeah, just keep digging, old man. The crazy yeah. digging block square ugly game. Right. And, and, and then my son will be there going, don't you understand? It's genius. <laughs> it's formative. It was ge- geodorms. It did change gaming forever. And they're just going to go, whatever, dude. We have it beamed into our ears these days. We yeah. don't even deal with that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, goes around, comes around. It's also the reason he's never going to make a flight simulator. Yeah. Well, you know, they already made F-15 Strike Eagle. So, you know. Why, why keep going now? You can't go forward. Exactly. It's, it's all over. Yeah. Microprose was there. They were there. They cut it. So yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, thanks for coming by, Paul. Hey, no problem. Always a pleasure. Yeah. It's uh, 
something to think about out there. Well, people should think about their golden age. You know, talk to each other and figure out what they think. Yeah. You know, what is it? Like what I said, it's one of those things where when people talk about GoldenEye, it makes me crazy. When people talk about it, like, oh man, Halo. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Halo's a great game. I understand why people like it. But not like that. But not like that. Not like that. Not like that. It's not deserving of that. No, Lords of Midnight, right? It's no, yeah, yeah, Lords of Midnight. It's, it's, no, it's no doom. You want to talk about, you want to talk about video games? Let me tell you about the first time I put Quake 1 in. The let, shareware version of Quake 1. Let, let me, had my mind blown. Let me remind you that I was the 37th person to ever download Doom from CompuServe. Really? Really. Wow. What was your CompuServe ID? Oh, like 1181766,5522. Okay. Because that's what they were back then. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even have names. Yeah. You, just, were, you, were, you were number and then another number. You, you were the prisoner. Yeah. I, I was on Genie and I was also on Quantum Link. Genie. God. Yeah, which Quantum Link was just the it was the precursor to America Online that was just for Commodore sixty four. Have this whole idea of this conversation just fading out, <laughs> old man land. At this point. Back in my day, <laughs> we internet. played bingo on Quantum Link for seven dollars an hour. The internet was worked off chalk and string. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back before the graphical internet. Anyway, all right, we could uh, this could go for another three hours. Uh, we'll have to pick this up at some point. Uh, we can talk about. Actually, what are your favorite Commodore sixty four games? Was that was were you a C sixty four guy yeah, eventually? Uh, or was pa- it? Paradroid. Okay, yeah, that's every British man, every British that, guy you've ever met. Yeah, will they'll go, tell you Paradroid and then Sensible World of Soccer. Sensible World of Soccer, and, yeah. and that's it. No, that's pretty much it. And Paradroid is amazing. I I don't understand it. Well, it doesn't matter. It I didn't play. It no, that's fine. But it's it's a game I didn't encounter then. So trying to go back to it now. Senseless. Why, what do the numbers on these robots even mean? I don't even fucking know. And that, that in a nutshell, is. <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much. Yeah, all right. <laughs>